Well, as we look at John 7, verses 37 through 39 this evening, again, this is the theme verse for living water. It's where we get our name from. There in verse 38, Jesus talks about out of your heart or out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And of course, these rivers of living water is a reference to, John explains in the next verse, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit working in those who believe in Jesus. And as we go back and consider, now, 30 years ago, I don't know where you were at. 30 years ago, some of you weren't even around. You didn't even exist yet, right? 30 years ago, I was 13 years old uh, and uh, just barely, you know, starting to come. I came a, a few months after the church began. And uh, it was something that God had started, something that God had established through Pastor Tom and Joanna, but it was a emphasis on and a focus on the work of the Holy Spirit in the ministry and in the church. And this is where we were as a church as we started, and it's continued to be an emphasis. And again, it's really the theme verse of the church, not just for our name, right? Not just as a, like, hey, that sounds like a cool name, let's use that. But uh, really, I would suggest and I believe that the Lord named us this and tied us to these things so that we would have clear vision on what he has for us as a church and what he desires of us. And we've seen that play out in the history. uh, And we want to continue as we move forward to press on in the mission and the vision that God has given to us. You know, as you think about church, it's interesting because church is like nothing else. Right. Uh, If you think about maybe choosing an employer, maybe you're blessed with the opportunity at some point to choose between two jobs. Right. And you're evaluating, you know, the benefits, you're evaluating the pay, you're evaluating, you know, the the things that you uh, get from it, the amount of joy you might receive from the different jobs. And you're kind of weighing the pros and cons and, you know, uh, all of those things that that you might consider in choosing an employer. But choosing a church is not like choosing an employer, although you might approach it that way. And you might think, okay, here's the you know, pros and cons. Here's the, the benefits that I get from you know, this church or that church. And, and you might try to approach it that way, but that's not the biblical way. That's not the way that the Lord would really necessarily have you consider uh, those things. It's also not like choosing a grocery store. You probably have certain grocery stores that you go to for certain things, right? And you choose a grocery store maybe for location, maybe for prices, maybe for the quality of their produce. You choose a grocery store for various reasons. But choosing a church is not like choosing a grocery store. It's different. And and we could approach it that way. And that's one way to approach the, the choosing of a church. But but it's not necessarily the way that I would suggest in seeking out a place for us to be attached and plugged in to the body of Christ. The church is like nothing else. It's not like choosing an employer. It's not like choosing a grocery store. It's not like joining a club. It's more like, well, it's more like being a member of the body. Paul uses the illustration of the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm not going to dive into the details there, but... There he tells us that it's God who composed the body in verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 12. God is the one who designed the body of Christ, saying that every believer is a member in the body of Christ and is attached to other members, and that God is the one who 
decided which members should be attached to the other members and put each member, each believer in the appropriate place. It's God who composed the body and put all of the parts together. And so when it comes to church, it's again, not like an employer. It's not like choosing a grocery store. It's not like joining a club. It's really seeking the Lord on where he has placed you within the body of Christ, where he has designed, you know, for you to fit with your personality and gifts and, 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 you know, your mission and call that fits in with the other members that God has placed around you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, Paul says, you are the body of Christ and members individually. This is the reality for us as believers. We are the body of Christ. We are members of the body of Christ universally. And, and one aspect of the body of Christ is that all believers everywhere throughout all time are the body of Christ. But here Paul is writing to a local church at a particular point in time. And he says, you church are the body of Christ. You living water are the body of Christ. And he goes on to say, and members individually. And so living water itself is the body of Christ, not exclusively so that there is no other body of Christ or members of the body. But, but as a church, we are the body of Christ and we are members of that. And God has composed the body and placed us here and connected us together for his purposes, for his vision, for his mission. And for the past 30 years, God has been plugging people in and then pulling them out and sending them out, you know, pulling them out and sometimes sending them on the mission field or moving on them on to various stages of life. For the past 30 years, God has been doing this and continues to do this, to compose the body and bring in members that we would be attached to one another. And as you think about all the lives that have been touched, as you think about all the people who have come through, it's really amazing to consider all that God has done over the years. 30 years of ministry we get to celebrate today. But also as we think about that, of course, we look to the future and say, okay, now what, what does God have for us in the future? Do we have another 30 years of ministry ahead of us? Do we have another 30 years of God composing the body and joining us together and, and, and piecing things together in a way that would glorify him and magnify him? We're, we're in an interesting phase in church right now because well, for the past year with COVID, we, we really had to strip down church to the bare minimum, right? Like we just barely did church. We did Sundays, we did Wednesdays. Sometimes it was online only. Uh, we we kind of stripped down. There was a lot of uh, activities and ministries and things that were cut back, that were paused or uh, postponed until uh, another time. And, and it puts us at a very unique place where we are set up to do the bare minimum, to do, you know, the essentials, the Sundays and Wednesdays type of ministry. And it gives us an interesting opportunity now that things are beginning to open up and we're beginning to have opportunity to uh, put together different activities and uh, maybe start up ministries again or start up new ministries. I would suggest to you, and it's an important time for us to consider and seek the Lord about what he wants as we begin to rebuild what it is that God has for us. There's a temptation for us to kind of like go back to what we have always done or go back to what we were doing just before COVID and, and go back to that schedule, go back to those things. And leaders here at Living Water, I would encourage you, I would plead with you, please listen up that, 
there is an opportunity for us here to be led by the Lord to build something new, to do something different, to do things in a way that the Holy Spirit would lead us that perhaps we would have never thought of or considered before. I was thinking about Paul's words to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3, challenging them. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? They were turning away from the reliance upon the Lord and faith in Jesus Christ and turning to a works-based relationship. And Paul says, look, think about how you started. Go back to how you started. You started in the Spirit. And and now, going on from there, you're not going to be perfected by your own efforts, by your own strength, by your own plans. And for us as a church, it's an important message for us. We began in the Spirit. We began with the moving, the leading the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And, and we need to, as we stand at this spot and are looking ahead and wanting to rebuild and restore schedules and restart ministries and restart things, there, there is the need for us to make sure that we don't just go back to the plans that we had, the things that we know, the routine that we had, because perhaps the Holy Spirit wants to do something new, something different. Maybe it's the old things in a new, fresh way. Maybe it's the old things exactly the same way. But, but we need to make sure that we don't just rely upon our own resources, but that we rely upon the Holy Spirit. And so I've titled the message this evening here in John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, We Are Living Water. We are the body of Christ. We are living water. We are members individually. And so that means something for us. God has attached us here. He's plugged us in here. He's composed the body and uh, made us to be part of this church here on this corner and caused us to be in fellowship here. And so what does that mean for us? And how does that inform us in the things that we do going forward? There's three points that we'll consider here from John 7, 37 through 39 uh, to help us as we take those steps forward in the things that God has for us next. The first point is found in verse 37, and that is, let's quench spiritual thirst. We are living water. And so what should we be doing? What we should be doing is quenching spiritual thirst. Verse 37 again says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If anyone's thirsty, Jesus says, let him come to me and drink. That invitation is given. If you're thirsty, Jesus says, I can quench that thirst. Now, this event takes place. It tells us at the beginning of verse 37, on the last day, the great day of the feast. It's a feast to, or it's a reference to the Feast of Tabernacles. It happens late in the year, around September, October. And the Feast of Tabernacles was a feast that was mandatory for all Jewish people. Uh, they were required to go to Jerusalem and participate in this feast that was set up and designed by the Lord to remind them of their time in the wilderness. The things that we've been reading through in the Bible in three years as we've been going through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, uh, looking at Israel in the wilderness. This feast was designed by the Lord to remind them of those things. And, And so they would have large candles that would remind them of the pillar of fire. They would have this water ceremony that would take place on every day of the feast 
to remind them how, of how God provided water from the rock throughout their time in the wilderness. Well, on the last day, the seventh day of the feast, the water ceremony was um, seven times they would complete it, not just once. So they would go and get a uh, pitcher of water, dip it in the pool of Siloam there uh, nearby Jerusalem. They would bring it to the altar and pour it out before the Lord as, again, a reminder of the water that came from the rock. But on the seventh day, they would do that seven times. And while they were doing that, they would be chanting Psalm 118. You might be familiar with the words. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. This water ceremony that they would do was a joyful ceremony. In fact, uh, the recorded tradition of the Jews, one of the rabbis said this, he that has never seen the joy of the water drawing has never in his life seen joy. He says, look, this ceremony is so joyful. If you've never seen this, you've never seen joy. No matter what other joyous occasions you've seen, if you haven't seen this ceremony, you've not seen joy. It was something they would celebrate as they would reflect back and remember how God provided for them in the wilderness. Now, in the midst of this scene, while all of this celebration is going on, and very likely right before, right after, or during the pouring out of this water, Jesus stands up and he gives an invitation. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, of course, Jesus is not talking about a physical thirst. He did not have an ice chest full of Gatorades, right, to hand out to those who were thirsty. He's addressing a much deeper, uh, a long-lasting need, a spiritual thirst that the people would have. Every human being has a spiritual thirst, has a thirst for God, a thirst for the things of God. And the greatest celebrations of religion cannot satisfy that thirst. I, I picture it in my head this way. There's this joyful celebration going on, right? All this cheering and chanting and, and, and great joy being expressed in the crowd. But also there in the midst of the crowd is some people who are looking around at their friends, their family, others around them who are cheering and celebrating and they're saying, I see all of this joy, but I'm not feeling this joy. I don't, I don't know why they're be able to express that. I don't know why they're able to feel this joy. I'm still unfulfilled. I don't feel joyful. I have this dissatisfaction still in my heart, even in the midst of this great joyous occasion with everybody around me celebrating. And I picture Jesus talking directly to them. He says, yeah, that's you. I'm talking to you. Are you thirsty? And the people are cheering and celebrating and just enjoying the day. They're not thirsty. They're not looking for a drink. They're not, they're not aware of their need. But there are those who are there in the midst of all of that celebration who are aware of their need. They recognize, I, I'm still thirsty. I'm not satisfied. This doesn't fulfill my heart and my soul. The religious feast in and of itself cannot satisfy the thirst. In fact, nothing else apart from Jesus can satisfy the thirst. Jesus says, I can satisfy the thirst, but nothing else can. We have the account of uh, the Jesus with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. 
as he's interacting with her about thirst, talking about the physical water of the well. He says, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. He's talking about the physical water, but he's also implying and alluding to her actual life where she has been pursuing relationship after relationship after relationship and continues to thirst again. That relationship didn't satisfy. And so now there's another thirst for another relationship. And, and, and alluding to this pursuit that she had in her life, Jesus says, if you continue this pattern, you're going to thirst again. Relationships in and of themselves cannot satisfy the heart, cannot quench that thirst that we have within. Solomon, the richest, wealthiest, most powerful king in Israel's history, went on an adventure to try to find something to quench the thirst, to satisfy his thirst, to satisfy his soul apart from God. And he tried education, he tried careers, he tried building projects, he tried you know, romance and marriages and relationships, he tried everything that is possible. His funds were unlimited. His power was unlimited. He could have anything he want, anytime, anywhere. He tried desperately to satisfy the thirst. And he found that he would thirst again, just like Jesus said. If you drink from this well, you will thirst again. But Jesus goes on to tell the woman in John 4, 14, if you drink the water that I give, then you will never thirst. That thirst will be quenched. Jesus satisfies the thirst that we have for God with the giving of the Holy Spirit. In verse 39, it tells us this he spoke concerning the Spirit. He's promising here the Holy Spirit that would satisfy our soul, that would provide a a satisfaction or a relief from the thirst, the ache, the misery that we have within apart from him. And so Jesus here gives the invitation. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He gives this invitation there on that day. He continues to give this invitation to all of humanity and he's called living water to continue to extend that invitation to the world around us. That's how we came to know the Lord, right? You were thirsty and you came to Jesus. Jesus filled you and, and then now calls you to help other thirsty people find fulfillment in him. Pastor Warren Wiersbe puts it this way. Believers would not only drink the living water, but they would become channels of living water to bless a thirsty world. This is who we are as believers that God has attached here. Those who not only drink the living water, not only are recipients uh, having that thirst quenched, but now Jesus says that Holy Spirit will overflow and lead us to bring others to have their thirst quenched. We are living water. And so it instructs us and it informs us. Let's quench spiritual thirst. That's the path that God has given to us. When you first came to living water, I would ask you to consider, were you thirsty? Were you thirsty? Was there something missing? Was there, you know, that ache or that 
unfulfilled soul within. And how did the Lord quench that thirst? It it was the Lord revealing himself and bringing himself to you, perhaps in a variety of ways, perhaps through the fellowship and through the people that you are interacting with. It was perhaps the Lord meeting you through the time of worship or through the the teaching of the word. It was, you know, maybe this aspect of ministry or a different aspect of ministry, but, but that was what the church was about as you came. That the quenching of the thirst that came from the Lord working in your life. And now as members of the body of Christ, we have the opportunity to carry that on, to pass that on, to now reach out to others and quench spiritual thirst. Now again, Paul said to the Galatians, don't try to do that in the flesh. Right? That doesn't mean come up with a system, come up with a program, come up with, you know, uh, do it exactly the way that it was done to you or do the way that we exactly used to do. I'm suggesting tonight here at Living Water that we need to seek the Lord. And invite the Holy Holy Spirit to lead us and to move us forward in a way that we can quench spiritual thirst in the way that he desires. We, the body of Christ, we living water, will be a church that quenches spiritual thirst to the same extent that we as members individually are empowered by the Spirit to bring thirsty people to Jesus. And so there's the need for us individually, personally, to be seeking the Lord about how he wants us to quench spiritual thirst. Well, moving on to consider now verse 38 and point number two this evening. We are living water. Let's drink deeply of Jesus. We are living water. And so let's drink deeply. Verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, there's going to be this outflow, this overflow of living water. But when he says here, whoever believes in me, or he who believes in me, the word believe here, it means to think to be true. It means to be persuaded of. It means to place confidence in. It's a very strong word to believe. It's not just, uh, you know, kind of a hypothesis. Well, I believe, you know, that maybe it could be possible. But this idea of believe is is such a strong word. It's, It's that you believe it so much that you base your life upon it. That your whole life is built on this belief, this truth that you hold on to. I like to... Consider it this way. Do you believe in gravity? I can tell you that you do because I can see that none of you are bracing for impact with the ceiling. If you didn't believe in gravity, well, you would be concerned about what you might hit up there. You would be concerned about what you might run into. But but you are so confident in your understanding and your belief in gravity that you're just sitting there all calm and relaxed without a care of running into the ceiling at all. And, and that is a good picture of how we are to believe in Jesus, what it means to believe in Jesus. That now your whole life and every 
moment that you're sitting and every step that you take is based upon the reality of Jesus being the Son of God, the Savior, the one who fulfills and satisfies our very soul. To fully accept and adopt Jesus as Savior and Lord. To incorporate His truth into our lives. To follow His teaching. To know Him more and more. To believe in Jesus Well, the word here in the Greek is in the present tense, which means it's an ongoing thing. Typically, when you and I talk about believing in Jesus, we are thinking about that uh, initial time, right? Where we come to conversion, where we become born again, that first time that we believe in Jesus. But here Jesus is saying, he who believes in me and continues to believe in me, it's this ongoing process of developing our faith in Jesus Christ. We are living water. And so let's believe in Jesus. Or, phrased differently, let's drink deeply of Jesus. Let's develop depth in our relationship with the Lord. What does it look like when a group of people endeavor to believe in Jesus, to drink deeply of Jesus? We have a good picture of it in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Whereas the church is just beginning and and the Holy Spirit has been poured out and the work begins, it records for us an overview of how it progresses. Acts chapter 2 verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. They continued steadfastly. That is, they believed in Jesus and continued to believe in Jesus. They they continued steadfastly in these four things, in the apostles' doctrine. The apostles taught the gospels, the life and ministry of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. The apostles taught what is recorded for us in the epistles, the rest of the New Testament. The apostles taught the scriptures of the Old Testament. So the Bible that we have here is the apostles' doctrine, the whole counsel of God's word. To believe in Jesus means that we base our life on the word of God and that we live out obedience to the word of God. To believe in Jesus is building a foundation upon the word of God for all that we do for our whole life. Fellowship, of course, is more than just hanging out together. Uh, The word is koinonia in the Greek. It 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 speaks about the sharing, the community part of it, celebrating things together, mourning things together, sharing issues and struggles, the highs and the lows, joining with each other in the mission that God has called us to, being a member of the body of Christ. Breaking bread together, uh, of course, uh, can refer to communion and definitely includes communion, uh, but also just refers to the the fun stuff, kind of the casual hanging out, fellowshipping, having a meal together, enjoying life with each other. And then they also continued in prayer, uh, which perhaps references personal prayer, prayer together corporately, praying for one another, uh, all of the above. It's communion with the Father. To believe in Jesus steadfastly and ongoing, continually to drink deeply of Jesus, it means that we build our lives upon the word of God that we share our lives with one another, that we participate as members of the body of Christ, 
and that we're involved in prayer, communion with the Father, praying for one another and interacting with each other and with the Lord together. Drinking deeply of Jesus is not just a single person, I'm on my own, a solo endeavor, but it is this joined together uh, activity that we do as the body of Christ. Let's drink deeply of Jesus. Have you been drinking deeply here at Living Water? Here at Living Water, for me, myself personally, I can say uh, the Lord's deepened my roots and my faith in the Lord uh, over the years here. I've learned to study the scriptures, learned about steps of faith, walked through highs and lows with the body, learned to rely upon the Lord in all things. It's been a spirit-filled ministry that has deepened my walk with Jesus. I pray that's true of you as well and that you can say the same thing. But now I also say, okay, now let's continue to do that as we go forward. Let's drink deeply of Jesus. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit, not trying to do this in our own strength or going back to you know, things that we're just familiar with out of habit, but, but allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us into a deeper relationship with him that he desires to have with us. New steps of faith, new things that he wants to do, new ways for fellowship and communion, new times of prayer and opportunities for prayer, new perhaps ministries of prayer, new and fresh endeavors in the scriptures. What does the Lord have for us? We are living water. Let's drink deeply of Jesus. Well, finally, the third point, the third Mission, part of the mission that God has for us as living water, let's refresh one another. Still here in verse 38, also including verse 39. Verse 38 says, But he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus says, the one who believes in me, here's what the scripture promises. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Drinking deeply of Jesus, again, it's not just a solo endeavor. We're just, you know, just me and Jesus and, you know, I'm just, you know, receiving all of this. But Jesus says, the result of a real connection with me, a real belief in me, the result will be an outflow of living water. The Holy Spirit will be working within. The Holy Spirit will be ministering within, but also the Holy Spirit will be flowing from you to those around you. Rivers of living water, it says. The word river, it it speaks of something that is not just like a little bit of a trickle, but it speaks of a river of water, or a torrent of water, or a flood of water. It it speaks of something that is continual and substantial. And it's worth considering. Is your life a continual and substantial flow of the Holy Spirit to meet people's needs, to minister to people around you? Now, at the time that Jesus spoke this, the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because it says in verse 39 that Jesus was not yet glorified. And so there was a timing issue as Jesus was sharing these things. The Holy Spirit wasn't given to the disciples just yet. 
But later on, as he resurrected, before he ascended, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And the disciples received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. A few days later, in Acts chapter 2, the disciples were gathered together. They received the outpouring, the filling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because at that time, Jesus had been glorified. He'd been resurrected. He had ascended to the Father. He was in his glorified state. And now the Holy Spirit was given. And so believers in Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit and were empowered by the Holy Spirit to refresh, to serve, to minister to the people around them. Pastor David Guzik puts it this way, the water of the Holy Spirit not only goes in, it also comes out. Not only does the believer receive blessing, but he becomes a blessing to others. We become a blessing. The, the believing in Jesus, again, it's not just that solo endeavor, but it transforms us to then become a blessing to people around us. The Holy Spirit flows out of us in a variety of ways that we could discuss, but one of the primary ways is in the form of service or ministry unto the Lord. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, each one, each believer has received a gift, a spiritual gift, an opportunity, a, a possibility of serving the Lord in some capacity. And so he says, minister it to one another. That's good stewardship. To fulfill your role within the body of Christ. I made reference to Ephesians 4.16. Um, I forget which service, but within the last couple of weeks. Uh, about all of the different members doing their part, fulfilling their role, and how it causes growth for the body of Christ. We each have spiritual gifts. We each have a way to contribute to the work of the kingdom of God, to contribute to a work that he has called us to as attached together with other members of the body of Christ. Now, sometimes this idea of spiritual gifts and, and, and these kinds of things kind of cause people to kind of grind to a halt that it's like, well, I got to figure out. And it's, you know, this, uh, perplexing dilemma like, well, I can't do anything because I don't know what my gifting is. And, and I would suggest, you know, there's lots of opportunity to pray about that and allow the Lord to lead you in that. But, but also, let me just remind you, it doesn't have to be super complicated. Paul tells us in that passage about the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. One way that we refresh one another by the Holy Spirit is just being with each other through the highs and lows of life. And sometimes it's just suffering with another person, weeping with them, mourning with them in the midst of what they're going through. Sometimes it's rejoicing with them. And maybe it's hard to rejoice with some people uh, because you're in the midst of suffering, right? But, but joining together and celebrating what the Lord is doing in their life uh, is a way for you to refresh and to, to be part of uh, the things that are going on and be moved by the Holy Spirit uh, to encourage and to bless them as they receive blessings and benefits from the Lord. And so we are living water. Let's refresh one another. Let's use our spiritual gifts. Let's be with each other. Let's 
weep together and rejoice together. Let's walk together and help each other through whatever it is that God has in store for us in the days, weeks, months, and perhaps 30 years ahead. Let's refresh one another. Have you been refreshed in your time here at Living Water? I've been refreshed. I, I mean, I, I could think back to uh, all of the ministry that happened to me, the one another ministry before I was ever a pastor here. During the past 17 years of pastoring here, I've been refreshed by all of you. I, I've been ministered to impact. So many of you have made huge impacts on my life, my spiritual walk, my marriage, every aspect because of the spirit-filled ministry. There is this ongoing refreshing experience that we get to have as we connect together, interact together, and join together in the pursuit of the things of the Lord. And so that, I think, is a, a good encapsulation of who God has called us to be as a church. We are living water. That is who we have been throughout our history. That's how the Lord began us. It's where we get our name. It's where we get our character. It's where we get who we are as a church. As members of the body, looking ahead, starting kind of fresh in many ways, it gives us instruction now. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit to quench spiritual thirst. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit to drink deeply of Jesus. And let's be filled with the Holy Spirit to refresh one another, to encourage, to build up, to uplift, and help each other through whatever we are walking through in this life. And so we want to finish this evening with a time of worship and just allowing us to have opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit to speak, to move, and to, to work in us. Let's invite the Lord to pour out his Holy Spirit upon us for another 30 years of ministry, for whatever God has in store, that we would be effective as his people joined together, as his body to accomplish his purposes. And so Lena's going to come up and as she gets ready, I, I just want to add on one little thought. And that is, you know, we live in a, a different era than we were in 30 years ago. And we went through a year of really weird, strange services and uh, sometimes, you know, uh, online only. And I was, I was thinking about all of these things. We are living water, quenching spiritual thirst, drinking deeply of Jesus, refreshing one another. You know, I would encourage you, especially those of you who are watching online, this is something, these are things that can be done remotely. We can be living water. We can be the body of Christ, even in those times where we cannot physically be present. And I would refer to my parents who shared on Sunday. Like, I, I was thinking, like, I'm not going to repeat all the things they shared, but like those things are woven into the things that they shared on Sunday. Being part of the body of Christ, being refreshed by all of you and encouraged and blessed. Now, the challenge, of course, being online is it's easy to be the recipient. And we're kind of set up for that, right? But I would encourage you to be seeking the Lord about how you can also be part of the body in contributing to the quenching of spiritual thirst, to the drinking deeply of Jesus and refreshing one another. There's opportunity that the Lord has for you, even when you're not able to be physically present. So allow the Lord to lead you in that. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit, whether we're near or far, here or there, to be moved by the Holy Spirit to be living water, to fill the, the, the shoes of those that God is, you know, those who have gone before us and those that God have, you know, has placed ahead of us. But, but now we have the opportunity to go forward. Let's quench spiritual thirst. Let's drink deeply of Jesus. Let's refresh one another. 
not in our own strength, not with our own plans, but by the leading, the empowering, and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so let's worship the Lord together.